everyone, if you're considering a career in welding, please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Kiki. And I'm Kemi. And you're listening to Your Advisors Will See You Now, a podcast that will help you to figure out all of your options for life after high school. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Your Advisors Will See You Now. Thank you so much for joining us for our career series. If you're just coming in, Kemi and I have been doing the career series for several months now, but it's just to give listeners a snapshot or a day in the life of what someone in certain careers do. We want to give you just an overview of what their day-to-day looks like, um, how they got into the field, and again, just a snapshot of their career. So today, we are joined by a coworker, a colleague of mine, Jason. Jason is in the welding industry. He's super amazing at his at the career. So I'll let Jason introduce, um, say more about what you do. Um, introduce yourself again, but what you do, and we'll get started. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, my name is Jason Blanchett, and uh, I teach welding uh, applied science. I teach an applied science, which is welding technology at CPCC. What I do is I do a lot of listening and uh, informing. So I do a lot of listening to each individual student, kind of seeing where they are with their level of construction, um, where they feel comfortable with industrial technology. Um, what they feel comfortable with that how coordinated they are and all the rest of that stuff i I do a lot of listening so that then i can apply um the right kind of advice to unlock them as welders you know so um, a lot of people already bring a lot of good skills to it but i just have what i do is just listen and kind of watch you guys go um and then start to kind of say all right well let's let's look at this when we're when we're starting off welding. let's make sure that you're in a comfortable position you know and then or Let's see if you are able to get this concept and apply the concept, like imagine how the welding machine is actually making the weld happen. What's going on at the electrical level? You know, what's going on at the physical metal? You know, how, how is this metal being transferred? Um, and, and can you imagine that? So if you can imagine it and you understand the science behind it, um, then you can go through a series of logic to kind of dial in what you need to do to apply the weld in whatever situation you're in. So if you're like outside, um, w- my hope is that I give you enough tools so that you would know that you'd want to use stick welding in that situation because it will hold up against the wind. Or if you're, you know, have to do something super thin that you would um, choose uh, TIG welding as the, the process and that you would understand the variables to that. We're trying to do it. I'm really just trying to make a student scientist to be able to recreate the same controlled experiment over and over again and to understand what variables that they need um, to recreate the same consistent weld over and over again, how to be repeatable. Awesome. So let's dig back. Let's go take a step farther back. Can you tell us a little bit of your educational background in welding and what made you get into that field before you started working at Piedmont? Well, uh, so... I've had a very diverse life. Um, you know, I, I dropped out of school a bunch of times. I came back actually at 2000. I graduated from CP in high school in 2003 and came, got an associate's in arts in 2006 and then transferred over to UNC Charlotte um, for political science, double minor in communications and soci- sociology. Um, it was organizational 
communication and or no, it was, it was organizational sociology and public advocacy, advocacy communication. So I was always kind of interested in how people moved and uh, really had a good understanding of political science. But then I also realized I was going to be stuck inside like around 2008 or nine. I had a full ride to continue my college level stuff, but we were in a, a dip in the economy. You know, you couldn't buy gas in and all that stuff. And I just was kind of like, with this associates in arts or even a bachelor's in arts, I'm going to be working at McDonald's anyways, and I don't have any, it's going to be the same pay. Like either I go, either I go to school and I'm trapped inside for another four years, writing papers for other people, or I don't. So I don't, I didn't. <laughs> and I started just doing like handiwork, stuff like that, you know, working on car, anything that I could read, understand and reapply. And then, um, I was doing pretty, I was doing fine with my life and I was on a, I had a, you know, a partner at the time and everything was cool there and like they went back to school. So I figured oh, I need to go. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to be getting on their nerves when they're busy with school stuff. So I'm going to go back to school. So I went back for welding because I was welding, I was riding bicycles and I was welding these, um, you know, like uh, kind of freak bikes, like two two bicycle frames on top of each other, two side by side tandems, you know, uh, a swing bike where it has two hinges and stuff like that. So I was building all that, but I wanted to build a bicycle to actually ride. And so that's like in my like mid 30s or somewhere like coming right up on that. So around 2013 to 14, I guess maybe 12, 13 and 14 was very, very DIY in the garage welding and stuff like that. And then I wanted to learn how to build this bicycle. So I started taking welding classes at CPCC. Then I was just like all in. It was over. The rest, whatever life I had before that was not, not wasn't going to have that life again because it was, I fell in love with welding. You know, I fell in love with, with how the department worked and everything. And, um, you know, I was always active in student, you know, activities and stuff like that was big, big in student life or what you got student, whatever this name of it now. But, you know, I was in all that stuff. So um, I did that. And, and at the same time, by chance, I started working at a architectural uh, fabrication shop that was architectural ironwork, which is a, a style of ironwork that goes inside houses or uh, big commercial projects that have like you know high-end architects who want this design completed at this level of um quality or whatever so i was working there while i was going to school um and then after that i've just I, you know so i started my company uh, iron giant fabrication in 2016 and i was working that and i worked for a number of other companies some super high-end things that had me go down to like star island miami um and then i worked for a big industrial a big industrial company for a while and then about 2018 i just started really diving 100 percent into my company's work and just letting all the rest of the different opportunities kind of uh exist for somebody else you know it, I, I found my path and um so i started doing that same time 2016 i graduated from cp with associate in applied science for welding i also uh, started blacksmithing at historic rosedale it's a it's a historic property it used to be a plantation um that was a part of big part of charlotte the, the plantation was the davisons so you think about all plaza and everything else up to uptown there's a, a big plantation that was acres and acres and acres and so i i do black i did my first demo i think in 2015 there then i um opened their smithy which is what the, the place for blacksmithing is called um and been doing that since since that time so I've, I've done that 
Um, and then I worked a lot. I've done, uh, I've built a lot of stuff everywhere. <laughs> um, and I have like, I have a website with my stuff on it, but that's just the stuff that I've done for myself. I've probably done about two times that in volume, maybe more for other people that is their intellectual property. So you end up, I, I, I worked a lot. Then in 2020, uh, right after 2019, um, there was a blacksmith called Jack Brubaker. And to kind of give you context on uh, what his professional experience is, that he started blacksmithing in 1974. And I was born in 1979. Um, and so when somebody that's been blacksmithing past the entirety of your life um, and they say, hey, we need a welding instructor in Charleston, um, you go to Charleston. So I did. So I, I went down. There's a, a place called the American College of Building Arts down there. Um, I met Jack Brubaker at a um, blacksmith demo. Uh, by uh, It was uh, hosted by Velika Designs, this other blacksmith called Zach Noble, who are um, pretty big in the Western North Carolina and nationally, as far as blacksmithing, they're they're at the top of their stuff, and so they hosted um, this blacksmith who was uh, Claudio Botero, who's Italian, and and he is probably one of, in the top five of blacksmiths in the world. So that he did a demo. I met I met Jack Brubaker there, and then he invited me and he asked me three times, and on the third time I said I'm going to go because I just like you know I can't say no to him. So. You know, 2019. So, go ahead. So, so it kind of sounds. What I like about your story is, I feel like it's such a genuine story of you went to school thought thinking you were going to do one thing, and then you ended up pivoting and finding a something that you were more passionate about to work into. Yeah. And oh yeah. I feel like your story is a much more. We don't really hear those stories that much, but I feel like these stories exist more than you imagine. We actually just interviewed someone else, one of my friends who is a diesel mechanic, and he went to school. Uh, a four-year school, and then he ended up going back and getting his um, his degree at a community um, associates mm -hmm. to to work on diesel um, diesel mechanics, diesel um, transportation trucks, all those right, kind of right. things. Heavy, heavy, uh, heavy industrial. Yes, industrial machines, heavy, big, mm -hmm. big machines. Yeah. 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 So Earth I just find it so. So I just find it so fascinating that. Um, this, these stories are very, very common. And I think it's such a great opportunity to have people like you on this podcast um, who have similar experiences. Yeah. People can say, okay, everybody's so used to looking on Instagram and it seems like everybody's following, falling into the perfect kind of layup for life or selecting a major and like, this is what's going to happen. And it's like, not necessarily. As you're growing more and more as an adult, as a person, you find that your interest shifts, your passion shift. And it's okay to pivot. And uh, I like your story because you're just able to discover how you came about where you were. So I think that's just such a, a great value point that you're sharing on the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, Kiki, did you want to spin off into a next question? Yeah, so my, I wanted to ask, and I'm, I can't remember, or if I'm wrong, correct me, Jason, but it sounded like you were kind of self-taught with welding. Mm -hmm. and then you decided to go back to school. Do you, so if someone's listening, if I'm wrong, again, correct me, but if someone's listening and they already have like a skill set in welding, is a degree necessary? And if it is, like, why would you say a degree is necessary or not? So there's, there's, there's uh, no common sense and there's no self-teaching because mm -hmm. we're humans and we're imprinted off of the experience of other humans. So um, everything that I learned was lightly imprinted along the way and some trial and error and then some more uh, imprinting post that. Um, the, uh, what gets you in the door 
is your excitement about the trade or the skill set and everything and that you know kind of the raw energy of just going out there and just doing stuff and have no idea what's happening um but where uh, a professional degree and uh, getting certified as a welder and the rest of that stuff comes into play is that there's a lot more to welding than just manual manipulation it's an, an mm -hmm. intellectual thing where we have to do a lot of problem solving um, a lot of engineering we have to know a good amount about metallurgy uh, you can can you make it as a welder without knowing anything any of that yes totally can can you get paid and work for somebody yeah totally can but what's the quality of your life going to be what's the quality of your work environment what's the quality of your pay going to be mm -hmm. right do you do you want to be competitive if you're if you don't have you companies are going to find that five ten percent of people who are naturally talented and grab those guys up right but for the rest of us <laughs> you're going to have to work right and you're going to have to accredit yourself and that mm -hmm. accreditation gives you bargaining chips because and one of the things i teach a lot you know for my level one students is what's your overhead how can you know what your salary should be if you have no idea what bills you need? How do you know if the, a job is actually building you into debt? Mm -hmm. If your overhead is greater than your hourly pay, then you get built in debt, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do you know that kind of stuff? Um, so, yeah, so there's not, I mean, you have to, so the, the benefit of going to school is um, you're going to learn, you're going to get either learn or get more reinforced mathematics skills. You're going to get more into the metallurgy. There's more than just um, playing in the game. Like I say, a lot of people want to be Michael Jordan. You know, they want to be the welder that does the pretty welds and stuff. But later on in life, you're going to realize that being the referee is just as cool, right? Mm -hmm. And that you can, because the other thing is you're only going to have your physical body at a certain level of performance for a certain amount of time. After that, what do you do? What's your strategy? You know what I mean? A lot of times I feel like kind of the trades are kind of like the, not like the NBA, like the, kind of like the NBA and where you can make a lot of money, but if you don't have the rest of the education to tell you what you should be doing with that money, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like it, you'll go up and you'll go down or you'll stay in the same relative area of, of uh, life, quality of life, you know? And the yeah. thing that I believe about welding is that welding can dynamically change the quality of life, of your own quality of life. I mean, I, but, you know, for me, you know, when I was young, I got into a lot of trouble was, you know, I just dropped out of school, was kicked out of schools, all that kind of stuff. And to be a teacher now is mm -hmm. uh, is kind of almost an out of body experience. But it makes yeah. a lot of sense because I want to be the teacher that wasn't there for me and that mm -hmm. wasn't relatable to me. I w didn't relate to teachers who hadn't had experience outside the classroom, who hadn't been in trouble who hadn't been around peer pressure, hadn't, you know, moved out when they were 15, who hadn't gotten in trouble with the law. You know, I wanna, I had a, um, you know, some of the stuff that make, you know, for when people see you, they, they make a lot of assumptions about you, you know, but like right now I should be still in prison. At 23, I faced 30 years of prison, mm -hmm. you know? And so when you look at like, what can your life be like? Like you can, you can make it whatever you want it to be really. You can turn it around too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can turn it around. And to be, to, to have gone from that um, at 23, to being 43, getting ready to turn 44 in 20 years, you know, it takes, it may not, it, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you didn't right. get to the situation that you got to in 23 overnight, but if you continually kind of work on it, um, you got plenty of upward mobility because you're qualified by what you do. That's one thing I liked about welding that wasn't the same as like um, 
working at a restaurant. I did a lot of food service. You know, you work at a restaurant, you know, um, y'all come in one day right after paycheck, right? And you come in, you have one drink and you leave a $20 tip. And I'm like, great, right? Then the next day, it's not y'all pay period, right? And so y'all coming in for that drink and you leave like $2. And I'm like, why is my value go down? Where's the $18 at? Do I, you know, and so that gives you all this like personal stuff. So what I like about welding is that you have quantifiable stuff. If I have my education, my accreditation, and my, mm -hmm. my experience in specific areas of this industry, you can't take that from me. You can't devalue that from me. Doesn't matter what my life history is or if I, if I didn't live a traditional lifestyle, it matters on the integrity you keep each day, like moving forward. So for the welding industry, because um, I, I, as we were talking about, you can make a pivot into your life. How long does it take to get your certification and accreditation? What does that look like? Should can someone who is my like you were saying before you started later? So it sounds like it is a, doable for someone later on in life to pivot into this career. But how long does it take for you to get the education component? Can a student and let me just dummy it down a little more to just for our audiences who are listening. Do they have to go, we know this answer, do they have to go to a four-year college? Can they go to a community college? Can they do an apprenticeship kind of training program? So what are the options? Well, I would say um, that you don't, that you don't really, unless you're going to be a welding engineer or you're going to be in a high level of uh, scientific welding, metallurgy, the chemistry of welding, that kind of stuff, um, mechanical properties like load stress bearing, uh, actual alloy forming, you don't need to go to four-year college, you know, and for... Really, the, the amazing thing, one thing that I love about CP and why I believe in being a teacher here um, is because our degree is like $8,000 for a trade that's going to pay you forty five at the, the, yeah. the median. You know what I mean? Like you can't trade that up when you hear about all the student loan stuff that's going on. Yeah. You know, that, you know, that's that's really big. Um, yeah. Let's see. What, what, what was that question again? I was going to say something. So for education, you can go, it depends on where, what you want to do. So essentially whatever you see yourself doing in the future. Um, we talked about there's only certain careers that can go for a four year. It sounds like the, the more affordable beneficial route is to go through a community uh, service, a community service, a community college route. Is there also apprenticeship training options? And can you tell us a little bit about accreditation? That's my second question. Okay, so you can, you can, so one thing about getting into a community college, no matter which one it is, is that you can get, um, if you're in the right economic area, you can get grants and stuff like that to basically pay for your college experience. You right. can get internships um, at places and, and sometimes they should be paid internships. Um, and one thing that we, we, we try to do at CP is really try to get, make sure that our the people that are going through handshake, trying to be employers, trying, you know, they're paying wages that are real, <laughs> you know, so that we're not, so we don't start off with that culture, you know what I mean? And, and so we really ask for them, like, what's your pay scale and what's your av availability to move up um, for your experience? So this is where um, the experience portion. So one, you can get educated in, in a year and a half or two years, depending on your jet ed, whatever, right? And then you can get certificates along the way. You can get a, a basic welding certificate, which is yeah. like okay. level one classes, cutting, symbols and specs, and like blueprint. You can get that, right? Um, and then at the end of that, more than likely, you should be able to test out and get an actual um, AWS American Welding Society 
structural welding certification, which would give you um, ability to weld in a cert, whatever that test qualifies you for, you can do that outside, you know, and be paid as a qualified welder. But the, the, in the trades, the, the real, the, the, I guess maybe like the elephant in the room or something that like it's not as known or communicated is that um, your general experience in the construction industry having any experience have you ever cut stuff to length have you ever had to prepare material for somebody else to work with have you you know there's so many that are the secondary skills needed past welding is like 80 percent welding will be 20 percent of your job the other 80 percent is going to be uh soft skills knowing how to talk to people knowing how to work with other people i have a lot of guys come in go like well, i don't need to why would i need to do that because you you want to get a job like what do you use your mouth like you have to have soft skills you know um right. that'll get you in there but the thing is is that um in this mic so in welding you have everything from um knowledge about anchoring into stuff into concrete into wood into brick into sides of buildings into walls into commercial walls into residential walls or if you did uh, if you do uh, pipe fitting there's a number of things and it, so there's a lot of stuff that you have to be in the industry to learn um and so what i usually say is that just take your first five years as a as strategic as possible because basically they want you to, every company wants you to have five years experience. And what does that mean? You know, you come out of school, you have to have, why do you have to have five years experience? Because you don't know anything outside of the fishbowl. Right. We are a controlled experiment. I tried to I tell all my students, we're in the fishbowl, right? You don't know the ocean. If you're doing good here, you're supposed to be doing good here. Because this is a very controlled experiment. We've right. taken out um, employer stress. Uh, you know, all kinds of, you know, all kinds of other stuff, right? You get to go back to the same machine that you used before. We, we buy $8,000 machines that you'll never see that in most shops. I mean, and, 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 you know, you will later on, you know, as you get better, but like in your entry level stuff, um, it requires a lot more know-how, you know? So what I really try to get the students to do is, is to, um, to jog them more on all those skills because there's a lot of stuff, even like culture, like the way that you stand, your body language. If you're an apprentice, never say I know. Just mm -hmm. never say it. Just never say it. Just you never like let teachable. The, you want to be teachable. Right, because, because yeah. it's, there's these cultures and stuff like some, some people sit like this when they're thinking. They're not even, but what does this body language say? It says I'm, I'm putting up a barrier, right? Or, or you got your hands in your pocket. Because He's crossing his arms, everybody who's listening. Or you have your hands in your pocket, right? And so mm -hmm. that communicates something that you don't want to communicate. If I see, I, I got, I got a, a student working here now, you know, and who's doing, you know, getting his legs in and starting off, he's like 20-something, right? And he's in there and he was standing by the saw and he's got one hand in his pocket. And I'm like, what you're doing doesn't require two hands but you should be ready and you should never be that relaxed in a work environment in an industrial area, you know? Right. And so it's like all that, all that kind of stuff. Like, so what happens when you're not welding? What do you do? You're in this big shop, pick up a broom, organize, clean, right. tight initiative, create a job, right? Create a job that you can't be, that you can't lose. You know, if you already are, are, are excited about welding, 
if you go through and you do the rest of this kind of stuff, now you're workable. So we, right. we don't we don't because you're wet behind the ears and you have someone who's you are kind of like being a mentor to them to say, well, this is what happens once you get out of here. And so you don't have to worry about those issues when you're actually in the field. We're and trying to get a good have- handoff, you know, because there's a big gap. And that's why people complain about welders that come from schools because they weld in a fishbowl and they do right. so well. And then they go out and they embarrass themselves because they haven't been challenged on um, verifying everything in your setup because the setup's always the same, right? So why would you be so trying to teaching all that kind of stuff so that they're more prepared? But the elephant in the room is that you're going to have to have you're going to have a period of low pay and where you have to get experience. And so you just got to be strategic with those two things. It shouldn't last forever, but you got to be strategic on on either going out and while you're in school, getting as much annoying anybody that you can annoy that will be annoyed by you about welding and that that has a shop. You go there or whatever. I remember when I was young, I wanted to be I want to do window tending in electronic car audio. You know what I did? I went to a shop. I just swept and cleaned up all the time. Guess who learned how to do car audio and window tending? You know, because because that's the initiative. You know what I mean? Like there's there's stuff that you could do with the lack of experience that just says, hey, I'm here. You know, I'm I'm here to give you a helper or somebody that's working at shops here to give whoever's the lead alley oops. And as much as we don't like the old boss hierarchy, we are hierarchical in the trades. And right. if you don't understand how those hierarchies work, you're just not going to work. I, I you know, we talk about a lot of stuff about inclusivity and having this openness. There's not going to be a lot of conversations about process open like we're having an open conversation about a lot of processes. There's not going to be open conversation. It's going to be a closed conversation. This is the process. Can you you know, and the other thing, the other thing that I that I see is a part that we're trying to bridge to is the culture, because the people that they're going to be working for are people like me or people that I work for. And they come from that old um old style right and the newer stuff is what discord webex or not webex so as soon as whatever you know yeah. that kind of stuff right mm-hmm. so it's less interpersonal communication and more being able to communicate online so uh we had this training session in our thing which was which was like a giant aha button because they don't make eye contact they don't because they're used to being in their phones and everything this younger the younger generation and it doesn't mean that they don't care or they're whatever this nonsense that people always say like god at first just just quit dissing on either go go live your do something better with your life if you're going to yell at millennials or anybody go do something with your stuff and make your generation better because i know my generation got stuff to work on besides (laughs) punching down you know but um any, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that. Uh, uh, that was great. I, I wanted to, because you mentioned a lot, like three things I just realized is about, or wanted to reiterate, is like general education courses are important. A lot of students come in and want to just get certification, especially in welding. And I, a lot of times I'm like, talk to the department. They know more about this than I do, but they, they're trying to avoid like the math, the English, communications courses. And you absolutely need that, especially for like welding, construction. You're, you're measuring things. If you don't have those basic math skills, you're you're lost. So I think so writing, I, right? Exactly. I, and I, so I love that you mentioned that because I think a lot, in a lot of trades, people just think I'm just going to walk in here and do this. And it's like you need that foundational skill. So one, you mentioned the importance of gen eds. 
too, you mentioned just professionalism in the workplace and translating that from the classroom into actual job. So um, that's something that's very important too. And, and taking what you learned from the classroom and you know, using communication skills, learning how to have soft skills and things that a lot of people are lacking these days. But you also mentioned just like the experience part. And I just think that's really valuable too, because Kemi's question was, do you need a four-year degree or a two-year degree? And I think with two-year degrees, you just, you get more experience on the machines and things like that. Just having instructors like yourself, and I'm sure the whole department, I've heard great things about everyone in there, but all of our, all trades, you know, if you have instructors that are really pushing you to be the best, not just teaching you the, like the basic skills, but teach like, you know, encouraging you to be the best. Like you, you pointed out to a student, you know, how to, how to act when you're using a machine. So that's, you know, there's things that I, I would encourage students or anyone interested in getting to the, any, any trades to be mindful of. You need gen eds, you need professional skills, and you want to make sure you have instructors that are pushing you to be your best as well. Um, but thank you. I, I'm glad that you highlighted those things because it's really hard to like stress that to people sometimes. Like it's yeah. not, we aren't just telling yeah. you to take these things for no reason. So that's the culture we're actively trying to change in the welding department. So we recently amended our, our tracks to eliminate the, um, a lot of the choices that are on there for in each of the tracks, because they will be like, it'll be like a uh, technical math or interpretive yeah. numbers. And it's like, we don't need interpretive numbers. We need technical math. We need professional writing. We need you to be able, like, there's, there's literally like one, there's nothing that you can't do without math. And even if you were able to do your job without math, you're still getting paid in numbers. So figure out math, become friends with it. I, I was a person that went through all through high school and all the rest of that stuff. And that's why I was at Associates Arts, because I don't need math. And why would I, and in fact, when I went in 2006, Three, when I went to school at CP the first time, they said my math skills were too low to get in welding, which is, I thought was, was, was funny. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but when I learned that math was going to make my job so much as a builder, as a fabricator, so insanely easier because either you do the math first and you build it or you build figuring the math out. Right. Sometimes you can get away with it. Other time, as the complexity and the size of the projects grow, it's not gonna work. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to quantify how, how, like, so right now I'm doing 117 linear feet of welding. Mm -hmm. How do I know that? Mm -hmm. Cause I've done the math at 32 posts. There's uh, a 16 inch path. There's another 16 inch path. There's a 12 inch path. All those added up times 32 is 117 feet point some, 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 right? So that lets me know, how many, how much welding um, grinding discs I need to finish it, how much welding uh, rods I need to actually weld the thing together, how much, how actually the linear amount of foot says, how much time can I spend on each foot so I know where I'm behind or ahead, right? So like right now we have, a, we're doing four posts an hour, verifying that four posts are done to get to our 32 post checkpoint. Mm -hmm. All that is math that frees mm -hmm. you, right? So the, you know, the other, like you have to, um, so yeah what so building off of that what are the different styles of welding because i know a lot of what you're saying sound when i think of what you're describing now i think of maybe building like a home or a commercial like a commercial building can you're building you just, it you're in right now yeah yeah so can you kind of briefly describe you mentioned before this different styles of welding um 
Because my interpretation of that, when you mentioned that phrase earlier, was different types of welding, like you work on homes. And then I also think of there's underwater welding. So are these all different styles that you have to focus on um, studying in different capacities? Or mm -hmm. if you have the basic level knowledge, you could um, kind of work in any, any kind of thing. This is really good because uh, one, you know, we, we don't, we don't claim to create welders out of our, we create people who are trained, trainable to become welders, right? Okay. So with that two-year degree, it's also like a, at least a minimum of three-year experience you need to tag on to that if you're not working, you know, while you're going to school. Mm -hmm. um, oh, what's it, ask me a quick, sorry, my ADHD is, is in full gear right now. No problem. So what are the different styles of welding? So is there like one kind yeah. of style of welding that you use for homes, one kind of style for welding if so, you were to do like art, one for underwater? And what would right. be, and kind of to make it simpler for those who are listening. So if I wanted to be a welder and I work at a home, what are like three things that you, just three simple things that you would do if you're a welder in this space? If I was an underwater welder, what are three things that I would do in the space that are maybe slightly different? So that way students can kind of uh, on their own oh. after this conversation filter what would be a best fit for welding and where for themselves. so welding is an ex is an it wildly is a huge field okay mm -hmm. if you think if you think historically we're on the edge we're at the we're on the cusp of the iron age we are still in the iron age meaning that welders that are doing the work now are at the at the edge of humanity of what we're able to do that being said there's welding that happens underneath the microscope at the friggin electron level right then there's welding that happens under in space. There's uh, under the water, in in lifts on on giant uh, antenna poles and stuff like that. Um, there's welding that occurs, explosion welding underneath the mountains, two miles underneath. That clads it uses explosions. So that the welding field is humongous. I don't know if that's not a word, but whatever, mm -hmm. it's huge. You know. Uh, so that's the other thing is that. Um, Per your body ability, what you're comfortable with. So, say you didn't feel like you say you liked welding, you're interested in it, and you didn't feel like carrying around beams all day. Then you could be a welding inspector, right? You can learn how to do non-destructive testing on welds to figure, you know, to and that's a that starts the meeting. It's like seventy or sixty something like that. Yeah, so twenty thousand wow. more than welding. <laughs> um, but it's boring. So a lot of people don't, you know, not, not people are super stoked on it, you know, but if, if you do like welding, and so I would say for people that are um, having a really hard time in chemistry or engineering, right, but you're still above average to not go into a, uh, you want to be in, in that area, but that's maybe some of the math, you know, the, the when they start adding the, the Arabic words and the alphabets and calculus or whatever, you know, and that kind of stuff, or if, it, if the... So when the molecular stuff is goes too deep, I would say go for you know look into non-destructive engine uh, non-destructive examination, yeah, mm -hmm. um, or you know become a, a welding inspector who does visual inspection is able to do destructive bend test inspections. Um, there's and so to not answer your to try to answer but not there's a million routes to become when welding. There's they weld the stints that go into your heart. So the the actual things that push the stint into your heart is a welded thing. So it's, it's so big. We teach structural welding at CP. So we teach uh, D1.1 structural welding code. So like if you were to, what we do is we teach people to do, uh, do welding that is done on uh, handrails, that's done on buildings, um, that's done in general construction sites, um, bridges, uh, anything that's on the roads. Um, we, teach, we teach that structural welding code. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so that's the, that's the that's the main areas that we do. So we do our the major three processes: MIG welding, TIG welding, and stick welding. We also have um, we do go into the oxy, oxy fuel welding, brazing, uh, which isn't which isn't welding. It's it's, a, it's different welding. You change three things at the atomic level to create one atomically bonded thing. Brazing is more like gluing where it seeps into the pores. Um, it doesn't it doesn't change the atomic structure of it's one piece of steel, one piece of steel, and then a brace. You know, mm-hmm. and unlike when you weld it, when you have one now you have one piece of atomically joined steel. Uh, which it I, I understand it's uh fused in fusion into the base material is what I'm talking about. Not just like Obviously, they're all joined at the the atomic level, but um, but yeah. So that being said, there's a lot of areas, and so uh, what I would say for people who are interested is start doing mm-hmm. research. You know, start if anybody you know somebody. Usually, you do know at least somebody who's into welding, an uncle, cousin, somebody in the neighborhood, a shop that you drive past. Go there, go check it out. Get some safety glasses here. You know, hearing protection has to do a tour. Um, there is so you know where I started welding is an architectural. Fab- fabrication, architectural ironwork and fabrication. Um, and I branched out to do structure. I did that, which is like handrails, kitchen hoods, decorative gates, things of that nature, museum stands, uh, things in the NASCAR Hall of Fame, all, you know, like st- st- all kinds of stuff like that. And also did um, industrial welding. So there's a, there's a, once you kind of get your, one, I, I kind of feel like people kind of know generally what they want to do. And that's the other part of us of what we're charged with and a benefit that you get from being at the schools that you have uh, a number of people who are are either still active in the welding field or mm-hmm. who just came off of kind of active duty um, who knows everybody in the in the field what they're requiring students to be and so that way as you're going through the program as you're learning and kind of building these skills up you can it kind of starts to become a little bit more apparent i remember i started off with like listening just listening to see what you're more drawn to, you know what I mean? So then I can say, all right, well, I think that you would probably enjoy uh, working in a fabrication shop and doing um, automotive welding, which is, a, you know, you don't go outside, you go to the same spot or if you, you know, that kind of thing, you know, you kind of, you can, you can kind of find um, what's good for each person, but it, it is a, a giant field. So it's hard to, it, it's, yeah. it's kind of hard to, to nail it down, but once you'll know, which if you're is good. It, yeah, which yeah. is good though, because at least it kind of provides some like flexibility. So if you're doing one kind of welding, you could maybe pivot into another area of welding expertise yes, if you wanted like, to. Uh, being a welder, owning a company, and teaching. Yeah. So there's so many different ways that you can go. And right. I think my final qu- my final question to you, just for a wrap up, and I know it may sound crazy to ask this question, just because you said so many different styles, but in the the broader scheme of things, under the umbrella, name one like positive thing that um one like what's your rose and your thorn what's your one big positive thing that you love about welding and what is your one thorn so what's the biggest challenge that there is um and then you don't have to go too too deep since we've got to wrap up soon but what would you tell someone who is in your office saying i'm interested in welding i know it could look different on a day-to-day depending on what project or where i'm working but what's one rose that's really you get from this experience and what's one thing that's really challenging whether it be you know, maybe in certain styles, you have to get constant certification up- updates, or if it's just over time, um, what I do here in some training, sk- some training uh, positions and various ones is sometimes it can take a toll on your body. So what are, what's one positive? What's one negative? 
Okay, so the positive is is that you can never be the best welder. You can never learn everything about welding. You can never be at the peak. It's always a journey towards knowledge and yeah. more knowledge. You know, so like I I've, I've been welding. Never boring. <laughs> no, it never has. So I'm studying to be a a, a certified welding inspector and, and educator, which is another insane amount of information to absorb and take in after being working in the field for a number of years and all that kind of stuff. So nice. that's the that's the benefit is that there's always uh, kind of something to do and you can morph, you can change with it. You know what I mean? So um, I always say kind of have stra strategy and I do point to my teaching as part of the strategy. You know what I mean? Have like got to have a retirement. You got to end somewhere. You know what I mean? So like you're, you're going to you're, these these skills are going to go down. So either um, I say that the best thing is that there's there's no limit on the areas that you can go. Um, and I'd say the hardest, the hardest part about welding is, um, is getting really being prepared with enough soft skills to set good boundaries when you're trying to, to grow in the industry. Um, it is a very, being able to communicate your boundaries, knowing what your boundaries are and should be knowing what are green flags for employment. Um, all that stuff is probably the biggest you know get you know getting paid well for what you're doing getting compensating for your life you know like my student that's working for me now is never going to get those eight hours back so mm -hmm. it's got to compensate him for his life mm -hmm. not just the budget for my shop that's right. not it you know and so we're we're still we're, we've been having this conversation de definitely post-covid um on the labor side so i i would say you know the hard the harder point is is that as you're going through it as you you're kind of a pick me you know like well you know like your first year like you want to weld have some confidence right as that nobody wants you because you don't know how to weld right and so then you learn how to weld a little bit then you're like oh great i want to be you know like no watch out watch out <laughs> with the pick me's the pick me's will get you into a toxic job environment the pick me's will get you not thinking about a five or a ten year path but about Mm. getting that that uh quick foot in the door value. versus like a long sustainability path uh what, financially what you started in the beginning and i wanted one thing i wanted to state was this you, you said something that made me think about this is that um so we're in a mcdonald's and internet answer culture right now you know where i want a burger i go to the thing i get a burger right and so you you desire a thing you desire knowledge so you say i want to learn about welding so you can right now after this log off log into the youtube read all you want about it right but at the same time welding is a journey mm -hmm. so you're you're thinking that you're going to go through mcdonald's and get this skill and then take the skill hamburger and then go eat it is incorrect you are raising the chickens you're raising the cows you're raising the wheat plants and whatever you're doing all that in your education and your certifications and you're continually working that that garden of information and skill sets to start producing you better and better crops so there's there's no i would say if you're interested in the field know that it's a journey and not a destination and that your total journey in and so that there's no answer to welding there's no final answer. There's, so even in our department, each instructor is gonna tell you how to do something five different ways. They're not contradictory. There's just more than, more than five easy ways to do anything. You know? So um, if you're interested, come on in. You know, I, I would encourage you to do it. Um, 
it can, you know, change your upward mobility in life. It can give you everything that you, I, I believe, I feel, uh, for at least for me, clothes you see, the shop that's behind me, my mm. vehicles that I drive to school, um, the camper I sleep in, my two cats and their cat food and my food and drink, it's all paid for by welding. Mm. You know, yeah. the first yeah, couple I appreciate. years. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I appreciate, and I, Appreciate that you came on here and just talked about like the practical part of it. You're, we talked a lot. You're insanely practical and very compassionate and you, you really want your students to do well. So I appreciate that you came on here and talked about like the real world experience too, because I think what you said at the end can go for any career, making sure that, you know, you get your foot in the door and get the experience. But then once you figure that out, you set your boundaries, you make sure that you're being paid what you should be, what you're worth. Um, I think that's something that Kemi and I are learning ourselves right now. And I'm sure a lot of people like in our in this in our age range are trying to embrace like you're, like we're valuable. We have experience, we have skills. Anybody listening right now, if you're trying to career sure. career pivot or you're in, like entering into a field, this is like great advice for anybody. Mm -hmm. Even if you've been in a job for 20 years and you're like, I'm underpaid, well, go out there and figure out what your what your value is so you can find a job that is worth your time and your skill set. So I think that was like an amazingly great point for anyone. If you want to go into welding or not, it's just like, that's just life skill advice. But mm -hmm. um, now I, I know we always talk and you always share just like the practical part of this industry, which I think can carry across any industry. So thank you so much for sharing, Jason. That was this was great. And I, ho I really hope the people that listen, um, you know, take like the welding advice. Also, the, you had a lot of good nuggets of just life advice as well. So thank you. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Yeah. Somebody. I'm into it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jason. Do you have any um, platforms or like a LinkedIn or a connection if anybody may have a question about welding or maybe might need some slight mentorship? If you did, I would just email me at, uh, at jason.blanchett at cpcc.edu um, if you're looking for advice. Uh, and I usually try to get, get a reply back in 48 hours. Uh, sometimes I do not, but it's not because I'm not thinking about you. Uh, it's because I'm decently busy. But uh, uh, yeah, so you can go there. Um, re and really anybody in, the, in, in CPCC's welding department is open and available to you. Um, cool thing is we've got a wildly diverse department, um, which is great. It's something that you don't see. I think we're probably actually one of the most diverse departments in the college, uh, which is pretty nice. Um, so awesome. there'll be a, there'll be a lot of people that look like you in there. You know what I mean? And and uh, it's for everybody because that's it's it's nice like that. So mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, thank that, you. That's all I would say. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for allowing us to interview you today. I know people are going to take a lot of knowledge from this episode. And thank you to everyone who has been listening in to our career chat series. Please send us emails on other careers that you're interested in learning more about. Please follow us on our TikTok or Instagram, which all will be in the show notes. Um, and we will see you in the next one. See you. Bye. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to the latest episode of Your Advisors. We'll see you now. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media pages and check out our website. Take a look at the show notes below. And please make sure to subscribe and share this podcast. Also show us some love and please leave a five-star review. Catch you next time. See ya.